Teachers are ordained and anointed by God to correct, reprove, and instruct in righteousness. Teachers are disciples held to a higher standard and confidence. Teachers are offenders of evil because they speak God's truth. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Welcome, beautiful people, to another episode of The Teaching Prophet. I am she, she is me, Tangela L. Clayton, the master teacher delivering lessons for the Lord. Listen, listen, ooh, that last episode, we were, we were veering off into some things, and I was like, ooh, Lord, where we going? But hey, we're back, we're back in the book of Acts going on this learning journey we are in chapter 22 if you have not uh listened to chapter 21 at least chapter 21 you have to go back you have to go back because this is the continuation of chapter 21 and it was getting good and i was just like okay lord we, we, we're going off into some things so whew, we're back we're back we're back so uh remember that the book of acts see i'm, I'm still kind of on that high on the book of acts we're focusing on a specific audience a key personality trait and a few words and or phrases so we know that this is citizens of christ our audience is citizens of christ this is part two this is part two now it may seem like i went a little backwards but i didn't okay i didn't so we're gonna move on um citizens of christ and the reason why I say it seems like is I'm going backwards is now I'm about to define the citizen of Christ versus what I did in chapter 21. Again, if you have not gone on back over there, you know what I tell you to take your pencil, your pen, your paper, your prayer life, your Bible, go on back there and see what the Lord has to say. All right. So what does it mean to be a citizen of Christ? One, it means that you live under the lordship of Jesus. You live under the lordship of Jesus. That's the first thing. The second thing is you are willing to live your life by the commands and constitution of God's kingdom. So the first thing is you live under the lordship of Jesus Christ um, in conjunction with willing to live your life by the commands and constitution of God's kingdom. So our attribute for this is going to be indigenous. Yes, indigenous, which means that you are a native. You are originally originating naturally. You are indigenous. You are originating naturally. You are a native. So if we're talking about being a citizen, we're talking about being indigenous. You already know what these words looking like, right? Born, bred, believe. Yes, 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 yes. You are born. You come to be as a result of birth. You are born. You come to be as a result of birth. Bread, B-R-E-D. Bread. You are reared and or developed for a particular purpose. Reared and or developed for a particular purpose. Our last one is believe. Now we have four, we have four, we have four definitions that we're going to dive into with believe. The first one is to accept as truth. So our first, first definition of belief, belief is believe, I'm sorry, is to accept as truth. The second one is to have faith. 
The third is to be assured in the capability of a thing. And then our fourth is to hold a viewpoint or hold a point of view. So the first is to accept as truth. The second is to have faith. The third is to be assured in the capability of a thing. And the fourth is to hold a point of view. All right. So let's dig into chapter 22. As you all know, I like the new King James version. It's easy to read. Although some of the names and cities, hey, we not here to perfect that. We here to perfect the life of Christ. All right. Amen. Chapter 22. Take my glasses off so we can read. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous towards God as you are today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering unto prisons men and women. As also the high priest bears me witness in all the council of council of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in change, even chains, even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise and go into Damascus and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came unto Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me and stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance. And saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, depart. For I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. And they listened to him until this word. And then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. 
Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and, and said that he should examine under scourging so that he might know why they shouted so against him. And as they bound him in thongs and Paul said to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander saying, take care of what you do for this man is a Roman. Then the commander came and said to him, tell me, are you Roman? And he said, yes. The commander answered with a large sum of money obtained. You obtained this citizenship. Paul said, mm, but I was born a citizen. Then immediately those who were about to examine him withdrew from him. And the commander was afraid after he found out that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. The next day, because he wanted to know for certain why he was accused by the Jews, he released him from his bounds, his bonds, and commanded the chief priests and all their council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. Amen to the reading of God's word. So he's a Jew, he's a Roman, and he's a citizen of God. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So. I got to calm myself down so I can get through this and then you can clear me, hear me clearly because when I'm rushing and all of that, I'm tripping over my words. And so let me just calm down. And so let's just be reminded to be a citizen of God is to live under the Lordship of Jesus in conjunction with willing to live your life by the commands and constitution of God's kingdom. And in order for you to do that, you have to be indigenous. You have to be a native originating naturally, originating naturally. And so <clears throat> what does that mean when you're a citizen of Christ to be originating naturally? So naturally, it says back in Genesis that we came to be through the breath of God that was breathed a breathe or Pushed down from God's nostrils and mouth or wherever it came from into Adam, right? So we are native to the spirit world. So our bodies were created from dust, which were created from the dirt and the dust of the, the earth. And then God breathed the breath of life into us. So naturally, we are spirits. We are indigenous to the spirit world because that's the world we came from. We didn't, he didn't form us on the earth and then say, oh, go live. No, he formed the body to house the spirit. So to be indigenous to Christ is to live in the spirit. And he said over and I believe Matthew, Mark and or Luke and John, that in order for you to worship God, you must worship him in spirit and in truth, in spirit and in truth. So therefore, we have to go back to our originating natural state in order to worship God, which is to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we are indigenous. So Paul being born uh, again, which is mean he's coming to be as a result of birth. He was born again on the road to Damascus. Okay. So born again on the road to Damascus and he was bred. He was reared and developed for a particular person. Uh, I'm sorry, particular purpose, a particular purpose. So, so this is what it means to be indigenous to the spirit. 
we are we came from the spirit so therefore given being born again um by the washing away of our sins and the cleansing and the baptism in the holy spirit and of water uh we go back to that uh, that state we go back to that native state of being in the spirit with god and worshiping god in spirit as well as truth uh, but Paul was indigenous to both Jewish and Roman people as well on being, you know, on top of being a citizen of Christ. So he was born and bred a Jew. Yet somehow he inherited his Roman citizenship. So when he was born a Jew, he was also born a Roman. Now it's not is not known if his if one of his parents were Roman and one of his parents were a Jew, or one of my um, study Bible says that one of his grandparents may have served loyalty or served loyally um, to Rome, which gave his lineage citizenship, thereby making Paul a native of Rome. So. It, it even if it's his parents or if it was his grand if his parents one of his parents were Rome and one of them was Jew or if one of his ancestors were so loyal to Rome that Rome declared that from then from that point on anybody born to that lineage is a native of Rome this just allowed Paul to claim that citizenship however it came to be he was allowed to claim that citizenship at birth thereby he can relate to his accusers which were the jews right as well as his prison guards simultaneously and his prison guards were roman right who talk about having a unique leverage into furthering the gospel to be able to um be able to relate to both those that that you are born you know into on both sides on both sides so we know that he was a born again Christian, right? Because you must be born again. Nicodemus asked Jesus, how, how can a man be born a second time? Must he enter his mother's womb? And Jesus said, no, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit. So you have to be born again in order to claim the citizenship of Christ, right? You have to be born again because you were already born into your natural indigenous state, but you have to be reborn because sin entered the world. You have to be reborn into your spiritual indigenous state. All right. Told you I had to slow myself down so we can. Yes, this is good. Got to calm myself down. So uh, it is an awesome thing to know. Right. Paul was he's indigenous to being Jewish and Roman, which is of the world. He's also indigenous to being a citizen of Christ. It's an awesome thing. But then he was bred because you he said he was taught at the feet of Gamaliel, right? He was taught at his feet. But then throughout his travels, he was also taught the different customs of the world as well. He was taught the Roman customs, he was taught the Jewish. He even said among the Gentiles and he learned of the Gentiles. Remember back in one of the chapters where uh I think it was in Ephesus, they were celebrating Diana, uh, one of the goddesses and you know Paul said and he listened to them. He listened to them, which means he assimilated himself. Go back to chapter 21, assimilators. He assimilated himself into their cultures and he worked. 
in order to assimilate yourself in the cultures, you not only have to live among them, you have to work among them. And he testified in the previous chapters that he worked with his hands to feed himself and those that was with him and to make sure that he had everything that he needed, that, that life necessitated. He did not go in and hold tent revival and waited on people to pay his, you know, lodging and pay his for his foods and meals. No, Paul went in and worked and lived among the people. So therefore he knew their custom of worshiping Diana or whatever that God name was. I think it is Diana, but you know, that was a couple of chapters ago. Go back and look at it or hear about it or read about it. Go ahead. And therefore he was able to convert them by assimilating himself within their culture. So he knew these things. He was bred because he was reared for this purpose. Think about it. You were born a Jew and a Roman and you're reared and you're, you're like dual language. It's just like these kids that we get in, in school where they have dual languages. So I met a child who had four languages. She was raised in a household that spoke four different languages, Spanish, French, uh, English. And what was the other I don't want to say Patois, but I believe it's the it's the Creole language. It's sort of like Patois, but she knew four different languages. And so she can go back and forth in between the four, depending on who she was around and who she was talking to and was very fluent in English. The Kings in English, they called it. So to be bred, to be reared for a particular purpose. And so him being dual citizens in the fact that he was Jewish and Roman that gave him a leverage to when he went to other, you know, uh, pagan cities and different things. He was able to tap into that duality and learn about other things because he had a, a Jew in the Rome was totally do, different people. They were totally different customs. Right. So he was open to learning the different customs. This was very unique for God. This was a very unique leverage for God to use in furthering the gospel. So I just want to lay that foundation because we're about to go into the four different believe. All right. So moving on to after he was born and bred and no things believe, right? The first one is to accept as truth. So Paul received Jesus as his truth on the road to Damascus. This is the first step to believing and to being a citizen of Christ you first have to accept that Jesus is the Christ he said he is the door he is the way he is the truth he is the light any man coming other than through Jesus is a thief and a robber he's a thief and a robber so you have to accept that Jesus is truth and he and he is the light and he will be your truth and your light on this in this world that you're passing through that you are you are you're strangers in this land. And so Jesus have to be your truth and your light because he has to guide you through this. But you got to believe first that he is that. And so if you don't believe that Jesus is the truth, the way and the light, then uh, hello, thief, robber. We we either need to assassinate you or go and have you sit down and eat, eat the truth, eat the bread of life. Because what you do when somebody bring it into your house? Hmm? Most times, hey, I got a weapon. I got a gun. Halt who goes there, you know. But then after, you know, maybe some conversation, 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just come across a lot of stuff in my, you know, my studies and my and my my journey through this world. Um, saw something on the internet where a boy was trying to break into somebody's house and the guy came out with his gun and he was like, put your gun down. We could talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Most people don't do that. That's the offering of the bread of life. Most people don't do that. They shoot first, ask questions later because you're a thief, you're a robber, you're breaking in. Don't do that. You know, now if it dictates that, hey, we need to take you out, then we have people that's skilled in the citizen of Christ that are skilled in taking out them demons. But if we can sit you down and sup with you and, and, and offer you that bread of life to accept the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth and the light, then, hey, that's the first step into believing and to being a citizen of Christ. The second one is to have faith. By, blind, by being blind, Paul saw Jesus in his full glory through his spoken word. There's the Logos word of God and then there's the spoken word of God, which is the Rhema word of God, which is what Paul experienced on the road to Damascus. This was his faith. This embedded the faith in him because hearing a voice, he saw no man. He saw no one, but he heard. And so in order to for him to respond, he had to have have some level of faith. Some level of faith to respond and say, well, who are you? And say, Lord, who are you? And he called him Lord, right? Because he had to accept that Jesus was first. He accepted it. Okay, so something bigger than me is talking to me. So that must be Lord. And so that was the beginning of his faith. Was that he was he was blinded by God in order to see God. Hmm. To be blind by God in order to see God. Because why? Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Right? So he was blinded by God to see God. The third one. Assured in the capability of a thing. So Jesus showed Paul that he is Lord and can do all things. Even restoring his sight, which he allowed to happen in the first place. Blinded by God so he can see God so God can heal him and show him that he is God. <laughs> Blinded by God so he can see God so God can show them that he is God. That he was assured that God can do all things. Even restore his sight, which God allowed him to be blind. Dubai. Now, as I say this, I also think about the fact that we've experienced a lot of things in this country, United States of America. We've experienced a lot of things that we thought, okay, we were protected from, right? September 11th, uh, school shootings, bombings, things that we should not have experienced. And we, and some of us, we have a, a, a faith, you know, crisis we begin to why God allowed these things to happen now there are certain things that God allowed to happen and there are certain things that happen because we kick God out or we don't allow God in in certain areas in our lives and it's just so you know I'm one of those that believe that it just so happens that when we kick prayer out of school and don't want to talk about the Bible in school or because parents feel like, oh, we trying to push Jesus onto their kids, uh, whatever you believe uh, outside of Jesus, that's your that's your personal, you know, thing. But I know that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess 
But again, I'm one of the ones that believe that is 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 it's a result of the school shootings is a result of exactly what happened. You kick God out of school. You say God is no longer there in school. So therefore, we've removed and I say we because I'm American, um, but I don't bear that that uh, I'm like others. That is a decision I didn't bear, but I am receiving the consequences of the decision of our leaders you know we well you know we kind of do bear because we voted the people in and the people that we voted in did this well yeah we kind of take the blame but hey he lives in christ as a new creature but anyways um so the resulting fact is that we kick god out of school and so now we have school shootings we kick god out of school and so now they're banning books they're banning the education of certain things we kick god out of school and so now we're having this educational crisis that we have because we removed the truth the way and the light we removed that and now we 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 can pray in school but you can't enforce prayer you can't make people pray and then you can't pray uh publicly to the extent it makes someone feel bad case in point i had a principal once uh, you know many moons ago um some things happened to a, a teacher and the teacher was of faith and so the principal said if you would like to come and pray for her we're meeting at such and such place it wasn't a demand it wasn't no you know she put it in the email she said if all that would like to come together for prayer this is a space where you can do it it wasn't it wasn't a directive it wasn't if you don't come you don't get punished but somebody felt that that's what they read in that email that's what they felt that would that's what they read oh she's gonna punish us if we don't show up for prayer for this particular particular person and to be honest the person that was offended was also quote-unquote friends with the person that we were praying for right so a big stink was made about that and um the principal was told you know she had good intentions but don't put it in the email no more don't put it in writing anymore so she got a written reprimand or I don't think it was written. I think it was a verbal. Yeah, she, I think she received a verbal to not do that in an email again because it gave off to someone else the impression that she would they would be punished if they didn't go to the prayer, even though the person that was being prayed for was, quote unquote, their friend. People have kicked God out and want to make sure God is not coming back. And so, but these are the same people, hint, hint, same person who cries about school shooting, who cries about the things that are going on in school, but you don't realize your action produce a reaction. So it's not that God allowed these things to happen. This is just an example of what will happen if we don't make sure God stays in a thing, if we don't make God first, if we don't put God at the head of our lives and the head of our education and the head of our government, these things happen. So 9-11, it's not that God allowed that to happen, it's that the people that we put in office, they have made so many enemies by doing different things to these different com- countries. And then too, let's just be, just be real. Half of these terrorists was born and raised right here in the United States. Let you think about that. Okay. Because we're so the land of the free and the home of the brave. We're so free that we allow people the freedom to, to feel like they can do whatever they want to do. 
Okay. And it's not that God allowed it. It's because we've, we've exiled God from a lot of places in our lives. And so therefore, uh, these things happen. But when we are assured of the capability of God, we see that once we put God first, yeah, some things God will allow. Wow. Look at Job. He allowed Job to be tested, but he said, don't touch his soul. You could touch his family. You could touch his health. You could touch all these things, but you cannot touch his soul. Why? Because the soul is the very thing that the devil is after, because that's the very thing that came from God. He breathed the life in us. He breathed, he breathed the soul into the clay body. So that is the thing the devil is after. So God will allow some things. But all things, not mm-mm. he's not fooled. Now, don't don't get me wrong. He told you choose life or death, because in choosing life that you will live, not only live, but live more abundantly. But if you choose death, these are the consequences of choosing death. He told us that back in the early Old Testament writings, he told us that. So we can't blame God for choosing death and getting death. You can't. He said, choose life that you may live. So Joshua said, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to do the things that because we are assured of Jesus' capability. We we have tasted and we have seen the goodness of the Lord. Uh, we're not going to go back to eating all that death. No, no, no. So that's number three. Number four, to hold a point of view, to hold an opinion, to hold a viewpoint, to hold a viewpoint. Paul held firm that Jesus was Lord, even in the face of opposition, while holding his citizenship cards. Yeah, so you can hold citizenships in various lands without compromising your citizenship in Christ. You can You can stand firm on your point of view that Jesus is Lord and still go swimming with a bathing suit on. I know I touched a lot of nerves. Hello, somebody. We, we just, we just look at this and be like, oh, we can't do certain things. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Now. If you decide that you don't want to wear a bathing suit and you want to wear all your clothes, baby, wear all your clothes. I'm going to still swim and laugh and play with you at all times. Hey, we're going to have fun. I'm not going to sit there and be like, girl, why are you in here with all your clothes on? Now, if you're a friend of mine <laughs> and we we close like that, we I may joke with you, but it's, 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 no, it's not malicious. It is not malicious because there are people that, that believe that, you know, they have to cover themselves and let them people cover themselves. Okay, so thank you, Lord. So uh, I want to live and work overseas. I really do. And, uh, and I've chosen a lot of countries with this company, with a particular company. And everybody and a lot of people's like, why don't why don't you go to Dubai? And I said, do y'all know y'all got to cover up in Dubai? Even though you're not a citizen of Dubai, you still when you go over there, you are subject to their laws. I don't, I'm, I'm a hot natured person. First of all, I, I don't know why I'm my internal body temperature is always on hell. I'm always hot. Okay. So my house is freezing. My car is freezing. Like, but I'm still 
you know, I don't have on many clothes because I'm, I'm always hot. This is one of the reasons why I'm not going over there because I, I don't want to put on all these clothes because I know that my internal body temperature is constantly on the degrees of hell. Don't know why I, I hope we can't figure it out. Medically, people cannot tell me why I'm always hot. They, they want to blame it on the stuff that's popular, like diabetes and stuff like that. The devil is a lie. She don't have that. So they can't figure out why I'm always hot. And another thing is I don't like clothes. Hello, somebody. I, I Listen, can we go back to Adam and Eve in the garden before the sin? Because I, I don't like clothes. I don't like clothes. So I, you know, so to go to a country where you have to cover up yourself and put on clothes, I'm not going to put myself under those situations and circumstances and I'm not going to go to jail because I'm I'm not going to put myself in those circumstances, uh, situations, circumstances. So I know me. I know that I'm not. Trust me, I'm not out here showing cheeks and titties. Not doing that. However, I know that I, I'm I'm constant. I'm a, I am a hot natured person, and to go to a country that is hot, and on top of being hot, you have to wear clothes. I don't care if the clothes are thin; they're clothes nonetheless. They're they're confining. They're restrictive to me. So. Thereby, I can still hold my citizenship with Christ and do various things. I can go bowling. I can I can uh, go swimming in the bathing suit and and still hold that citizenship in Christ. There are things that people have put constraints on. We don't talk about that a little minute. All citizens of the world have the same access to being a citizen of Christ. This is why you can hold your various citizenships in the various lands from from canada the united states to new mexico to australia to you know sudan you can hold your various citizenships in the lands because everybody have access to the same to being a citizen of christ everybody no nobody does not have access all you gotta do is believe all you gotta do is be born again and be bred in the way of god so a lot of people believe that they, they have to renounce their citizenship, which means their customs, their traditions, what I'm you know alluding to earlier in order to be a Christian. Unless what you are doing going against goes against the commands and the constitution of God, then yes, renounce it or simply just stop doing it. Stop doing it. However, most of us has confused God things with the world's things. Let's dig into it. So, for example, <laughs> this I love. I love asking people about this marriage. What does it mean to be married in the eyes of God? Does it mean that you got to go down to the courthouse and fill out this paperwork, go get a blood test? Um, told to come back in a week and then after a week you still want to get married they give you a marriage certificate which you have to take that marriage certificate and be married by an official who is uh, sponsored by the state which where they say by the power invested in me by the state of whatever state you get married in um, I now pronounce you man and wife hmm hmm Is that is that God does God say you have to do that in order to be considered to be married? Does he say you have to do that? Or if you go to the word is sex, the act of marriage, 
Because once you had sex with someone, you bound yourself to them. Once that man released, rather it's in the condom or in you, y'all have made a soul tie. Y'all have. And that soul tie is the marrying, is the commitment to each other. You committed to getting in that bed. You committed to having sex. But then it goes into, well, what is shacking? What is shacking? What is shacking? I looked it up, can't really find a word for it. But black folks mostly use that word. And I think it originated from African-Americans of America. Uh, that is to be living together without a form of legal form of marriage. Well, is that God's law or the world's things? Because to be honest, marriage license didn't come about to about the early 19th century. When in fact that the license were, was for um, white slave owners who wanted to marry their black slaves. So if you could produce this sum of money and then go before Congress at a time, uh, with the Congressional Congress, whatever they were called at the time, and say, give reason enough why you sh- why you should be married, along with this large sum of money to your black slave, then they will grant you a license to marry. And then as the United States began to develop and they begin to look for new ways to to earn a federal or governmental living us uh outside of the british sending them money and being you know uh tethered to the british things started coming to play where they can make money off of and license was one of them so now not only do you um have to apply for a marriage license which they call a fee and that fee goes to various government projects and various government things you that is the permission that you they're saying that you have to get so you have to pay for that right but if you go back to the bible yes they had a wedding feast so back before because you want to know you know well it has to be some type of legal paper this is what one pastor told me it has to be some type of legal paper or, or form that said that you were married huh? it was your bible <laughs> your bible was considered that legal form that legal paper so this is what would happen right so mary and john john wants to marry mary so john goes to mary's father and said i want to be betrothed to, i want to marry mary and and um and it was like they come to an agreement john had to come up with a certain uh dowry and a dowry is what would replace Mary in the household because maybe Mary was a seamstress. Maybe Mary was the cook in the house. Maybe Mary did some things in the house that brought the house a little bit of money. Right. And so you have to replace that. So what they would do is they would exchange cows, money, whatever it is that meant a value in that particular time. And they were set a time for him to do that. <coughs> it could be months. It could be years. Later on, John would go away to build a house. For Mary, he would go away to you know because back then they actually built their houses themselves. They got the, the the land from um the materials from the land, or you know they family gave them some money to go you know buy a house that was already built. But most of the time they was building the house themselves. So John would go away to prepare for Mary. Once he prepared for Mary, however long that was, they would have a wedding feast, or they would have a wedding gathering or reception or whatever you have they would have right so they would go and celebrate the union of mary and john later on mary and john would go to the house after they've been pronounced or 
introduced to the world as a married couple now they would go get in their bed and what what the judge say commence or commemorate that occasion through the act of sex or making love if sex is too harsh of a word for you now they're married they go write it in the family bible and they move on that was your only documentation that these people were married the only documentation. The wedding was just a later on. The I was I was about to say pretentious. It really is. I believe it is. The wedding was just a show of hey, they're married, and then we now pronounce you know later on it now pronounce you and all of that. But there still was not a marriage license. So now we've intertwined those two. We've confused those two with being uh something that God is saying you have to go get. No, that is the world's definition of being married because it's tied to money. Look back at it. It's tied to money because if you're not married to someone, you cannot and you cannot legally from the world or the state inherit their fortune or their, you know, things unless it's in a will, unless you're the beneficiary. If you're and then even if you are married, you got to prove that you are married in order to gain that property you'd have been married to this person 50 years and they died and the state will tell you you have to produce your marriage license you have to prove that you are married if you're not a beneficiary if you're not in the will you have to prove that you are married to that person in order to receive the goods that that person has obtained in this world do you research i'm not saying don't go get the paper legally I'm not saying uh, any of that. All I'm saying is we need to be careful about mixing the things of the world and the things of God and calling it God when it's really not God. It's really not. And shacking, um, that could be a whole nother lesson in and of itself. If you've already committed to sharing a space, sharing bank accounts, sharing all of that you've made a marital commitment and you're having sex. You've made a marital commitment in God's eyes. You've made a marital commitment in God's eyes. Some preachers will fight me on this. They will because they want to continue to hold you in bondage from being a citizen of Christ. And they want to tell you that's not being a citizen of Christ. Well, we can't mix the world things and God things and then tell people you can't do this. You can't be a citizen of Christ. If you're living in bondage and we've done this to people and we've made them feel like they are not saved because they are living with the person they've committed to. I think commitment was the ultimate thing for marriage, but I might be wrong. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but that's an example. That's a big example. I don't even have to go any further than, than that. But there's many more examples of how we've mixed things of the world and things of God. Okay. Another one is uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Bible. That is someone's uh, idiom to what was in the Bible. Right. That someone's idiom, what, what was in the Bible. They've come up with idiom with these, these catchphrases, pretty much. If you don't know what idiom is, it's pretty much catchphrases. Oh, cleanliness is next to godliness. Baby, that is not in the Bible. Okay. 
that is not in the Bible. And the most clean people in this world are the most dirtiest people in the spirit. I'm going to run that back for you. Some of the most clean people in this world are the dirtiest in the spirit. So while you clean on the outside, your spirit is just dirty, horrible, filthy, hellbound, dirty. These are things that we've mixed from the world with God. We've confused these things. And so we believe these things. It goes back to belief. We believe these things and therefore it jeopardizes our citizenship with Christ. Because we're taking the citizenship of the world and saying, okay, well, this must, this has to go back to the Bible. And it doesn't. This has to be God led. And it isn't. I remember my grandmother said a lot of people going to go, will, will go to hell for lying on God. It's going to be a lot of people in hell because they lied on God. They just lied on God. They have lied on God. Now, if you raise your child to um, remain pure, I'm um, going back to marriage. I don't know why, but hey, we're going to go there. If you've raised your child to be pure and remain, you know, no sex before marriage and that's what you believe. Hey, that's your belief. And if you, because you believe it, right? That doesn't mean everybody has to hold that belief because the Bible tells us what is sin to one is not sin to the other. And it talks about meat. It says, if you desire meat and someone else doesn't, and it offend them, then you would, you know, don't eat meat that day in front of them. Don't offend them. I'm not going to argue with nobody who, who wants to believe that going to get a legal paper from this world to say you're married to a person versus somebody who is spiritually married to a person. I'm not going to argue those two. It, what will it gain? What will it gain in the grand scheme of things of Christ? Because they believe they don't need a legal paper because they might find out, have found out just like I have that. All you got to do is just put beneficiary or make that person the, li the living, what is it, trust person or, you know, make sure their name is on all your documentation at your bank, wherever you, ha wherever you have made them the beneficiary of your uh, 401k. They will get that stuff because they're the beneficiary. All you got to do is show an ID and they get it. Right. Because marriage license is nothing but a money scheme. It is. But then again, it's also to protect you in the world because some people don't know that I need to make a beneficiary of all my stuff. Whatever accounts I have open, anything that I do in the world, I need or living trust or living will. I need to make somebody an inheritor of these things. Because in the spiritual world and the things of Christ, you can't go to heaven off my prayers. You can't go to heaven off of my purpose. You can only go off of yours. And so it, it profit nothing to argue back and forth. I am just a teacher to present you with the information. It's up to you to do what, it, what you want to do with it. Go back to God. Pray. Do your thing. I'm not telling you not to go get the paper. I'm not telling you to live with somebody and you feel convicted because some people truly are convicted because they are living, quote unquote, in sin. But that's another lesson for another day. Believe to hold a viewpoint. To hold a viewpoint in God. That is the second one of belief. And that's what Paul did. He held firm his opposition in the face of even though he was holding citizenship in these different in the Jewish and in, in a different faith. Listen, you can be a citizen of God. 
First, you have to be born again. You have to be born again. Then you must be reared, bred. But to be honest, once you become born again, you will start to notice your purpose in God. Not your plan, because we make plan. God have purpose. You will begin to know your purpose in God and God. You'll see that you were already reared and developed for that purpose. You just have to get focused by being born again and get focused that, and and, be, and bring God into focus and put him first by accepting him as a truth, by having faith, by being assured in his capability to do all things and to hold fast that Jesus is Lord through believing. He that has an ear, let him hear. We hope you've been blessed by another episode of The Teaching Prophet. Don't forget to like, share, and or comment on whichever platform you are listening. We pray you tune in next time. God bless.